Hello and welcome to the All-American Maker Podcast. My name is Brendan Halbum, and today my guest is Jeremy Hill from Jericho Home in Roswell, Georgia. Today we are going to be talking about a lot of different things, but the one thing that I want you to take away from our conversation is that Jeremy and I are both passionate about other makers. We are passionate about our families, and we are passionate about people. And this is the driving force in our conversation. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Um, If you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into what you do. Sure. Um, My name is Jeremy Hill, and I own Jericho Home. It is a furniture and home decor uh, company. I build custom furniture and decor items. And uh, I got started um, in fits and starts. To be really honest, my grandfather um, was an architect and a preacher, actually. But um, he uh, did a lot of he had he designed a lot of homes and you know built a lot of homes and we kind of moved a lot because that was kind of his passion. And um, we uh, I learned to swing a hammer and you know put two boards together from him. And uh, after that, I you know I I, I worked with him in the summers and then. Uh, after I went off to college, I actually um, stopped doing that stuff and actually went to college for in Nashville for um, English and history and got my degrees in that and uh, ended up teaching high school and a little bit of college for uh, for quite a while, actually. And I was enjoying that, but I really missed working with my hands. And so I picked up woodworking again as a hobby. And kind of started from the ground up because all the tools were my grandfather's before. And so I kind of I got a few from him and mm-hmm. started out with the Ryobi basic starter set. And, uh, you know, the, I still have a couple of those tools. They still work really well. Uh, you know, a drill that I use here in the shop and a little few things like that. But uh, just uh, I, you know, I did what I had done mostly with him. I started, I built a deck in my backyard and, uh, and then I built a deck for my neighbor. And uh, then I kept, you know, working and adding to my tools. And it wasn't long before I was doing stuff like that. And someone asked me to build, if I could build a table for their deck, an outdoor table. And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And so I had to kind of go and learn and and started building a lot of outdoor furniture. And that really took off. And then it wasn't a big leap from that to start building indoor furniture. And um, I went from, you know, doing some pretty early work that, uh, while I'm proud of it, I would never build it again. <laughs> and then, uh, to, to where I am now, I've just learned a lot from, you know, all different sources, books, talking to other builders, uh, obviously from social media from YouTube and stuff like that. But over the years, I've kind of developed my own style and now I just, I, I'm, I'm able to do it full time. So it's awesome. That's awesome. So like how long have you been able to do it full time? I am entering into my second year of being full-time. Before that, I was doing it part-time. I was still teaching school, and I was also building. And I was, you know, it got to the point where I was putting in a lot of hours a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was basically at night in the shop, on weekends in the shop, or, you know, out on site doing something, and then also trying to, you know, get all my papers graded and get all the lesson plans done and, you know, not... I didn't want one job to rob from the other job. And so I was kind of wearing myself out and 
it got to a point where I sat down with my wife, uh, Holly, and we just sat down and talked and decided that we would go on and take the leap to, I'd move it full time to building and remodeling and stuff like that because it was honestly, you know, if I, I if I could devote myself full time to it, it was going to pay better than teaching full time. So, you know, so it was, it was, unfortunately, I, I wish teachers got paid better. I really do because I do miss teaching. Um, I don't really miss grading papers or parent-teacher conferences or anything like that, <laughs> but uh, but I, I do miss working with kids and stuff like that. I, I got to make up for some of that by working closely with some of my son's baseball teams and, you know, helping coach with those and do that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. all in all, I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm able to build, you know, full-time. We've had, you know, we have tight months. We have great months. Um, so far, it has worked out where I can, you know, make a living doing it. So it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, definitely, I mean, I'm sure it's rewarding to work for yourself and work at something that you've built yourself. It It is um, in a lot of ways. It is really cool to be able, I mean, on every level, to be really honest, to say that I started my own business or to, you know, even to eat around our dining room table that I built. There's a lot of satisfaction that comes from, having been able to do that. The business part didn't come so naturally to me. My wife's a great organizer. So without her help, um, I would not have been able to, I would have run myself, uh, I don't know about into debt, but I would have been the right hand wouldn't know what the left hand was doing really without, I've gotten better at it obviously as the years have gone on, but um, she really helped me to organize and keep my, you know, keep it so that I was spending out of my business account and not out of, and not transferring money all the time and, you know, that kind of thing. So right. Not, play, not playing the shell game with it. So there's definitely a learning curve there and you don't want to wear yourself out, you okay. know, spreading yourself too thin. But uh, it, it's been helpful. She was really instrumental in that regard. So yeah, I'm really grateful to her. That's awesome that you guys could work together on that because – like I work for myself and my wife is actually a teacher. So a lot of times she, when she gets home and when I get home, the last thing we want to do is talk business. And oh yeah, she doesn't really have an interest in the business aspect of what I do. Like she's, she's proud of me and she supports me, but she's not sure. really involved. And um, it is pretty cool to, to hear about other people where, you know, they're working together on some level in the business that they've created. Yeah. It's, I try to limit how much I honestly try. I see what you're saying. Um, and Holly is, she, I, I can't say that she runs like the back end of the business. I have to do pretty much all that, but I do want to give credit where it's due. She helped me lay down those organizing principles. She is, she actually went to college to be an interior designer. So it actually, she's really great at giving me input on design things and, like that, but her actual job job is uh, is working. She is a, an administrative professional. She works for a company that um, helps hospitals, uh, you know, and doctors' offices that are, or, you know, our doctors' offices that are being absorbed by hospital systems. She helps to manage like those projects and do if they're, you know, organize the pay structures of doctors who are being absorbed into a bigger system or doctors who are leaving a hospital to start a practice. And so her company is a consultation firm in the medical field like that. So she's naturally organized and I didn't want to, I didn't want to impose on her too much and make her do what she does at work at home for me. You know, I wanted her to be able to have rest from work, Yeah. but she was able to lay down some solid principles for me. And, um, 
and then, you know, recommend a couple of books and I can't remember what they were called now, but basically just books about, you know, small business helping me to understand how to do my taxes and how to do that kind of stuff that I would, like I said, I would have been utterly lost without her. No, on the day to day, she would much rather be involved with helping me pick out a stain color or, you know, the size of how big a piece of furniture is going to be in a certain spot or, you know, that kind of thing, designing yeah. a door. Then she would, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want me to hand her a stack of papers and, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. ask her to organize. Yeah. So in that regard, she's like your wife. She's not really interested in the, like, day to day. You know, how much did you spend the day? What is this? You know, accounting is not her joy, but she's mm -hmm. certainly better at it than I am. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. She's more interested in the creative outlet, I'm guessing. Yeah, she really is. And she's really good at it. So it's, it's pretty cool that, to be able to, uh, you know, work with her in that capacity for sure. So. Definitely. Now, um, how long have you, uh, been promoting your business on Instagram, so to speak, or is it more just like a creative outlet for yourself? Well, it started out that way. Um, I'll try to answer it chronologically, I guess. Uh, I was, I had gotten into a lot of people I'd been building for a while and I'd started making a few little home decor items, uh, cutting boards, serving trays, um, some of them functional like cutting boards, stuff like that. Uh, little stuff like that. And, you know, a couple of friends were like, you know, you ought to get involved in one of these, uh, trade shows, you know, like these craft fair kind of things. And I was like, I don't know. And so I looked into one, uh, my wife found an application online for the country living magazine fair. And uh, the application, you know, she found it pretty early. So we read through the application and it basically what they wanted was like, hey, tell us what your social media outlets are and how many followers you have. And, you know, and I didn't have any. I didn't. I mean, I had a personal Facebook page that I barely logged into, but I was very un unsavvy with social media at the time. And uh, and most of that was because I was being a teacher, you know, uh they encouraged us kind of to not avoid social media, but to not make it part of our thing. Cause they didn't, you know, they don't want teachers and students following each other and being friends on, you know, that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. and I, and I really wasn't interested in it to, to be honest, but I decided that it would help my case to get into this larger fair. If I started a, if I started a social media page an Instagram page and it, my goal was to get to 1000 followers so that I could, I could say, yeah, I've got a thousand followers and I do this here just so I could point them somewhere. And, uh -huh. and obviously it grew to much more than that, but I'm just shocked that the fact that I've got like 50,000 plus followers now, 51,000 or something like that, that, cause that was three years ago. I mean, honestly, it was, I, wow. I think I made my first post just cause I'm weird. I was a history teacher for so long. I remember it was on the eyes of March. It was on March 15th, 2017. <laughs> and, uh, I made my first post. I basically had worked with a guy and helped design a logo and he was better with computers than I was. And so he kind of helped me get my logo together. And, uh, we, I just posted my logo out there and, you know, said, Hey, look for some furniture coming up. I started taking a few pictures and from there it became like a full-time job. Uh, you know, it, I, it, it grew kind of quickly and, mm -hmm. uh, then I started really getting into how to grow it and the benefits of having that growth. And so by the time I actually got, oddly enough, by the time I actually got accepted to the um, country living fair, I had like 13,000 followers. <laughs> wow. And so it had blown that out. So that it was like a year before and I'd set that goal and I'd done that. And it was 
So I got a, a really good spot at the fair, and the fair went really well. I was able to build a lot of pieces, including a couple of tables and benches and larger furniture pieces. And I made enough money from the fair to really start considering um, quitting my teaching job. So that was, and, and I realize that's not always the case with people. Sometimes, you know, they break even. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, some people lose money on stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I was able to you know, do pretty good, sell some furniture and do that. And I was, I was really encouraged by that. So I kind of started saving up. I agreed to teach a couple of summers, more of summer school and take on a little bit more workload. And uh, so I saved up a lot of money. And then when it came time to go full time, we did it. And um, I was fortunately able to uh, start that with very little overhead or very little debt. I was able to, I'm able, we have a large basement and garage area and I'm able to, I've converted all of that to shop space and my wife has been really acquiescing in terms of giving up, you know, what could have been living space in our home to mm-hmm. becoming all this big shop area and, uh, you know, like I said, she's always, she's just been super supportive and I couldn't have done it without her. So it's, um, that's kind of how that got rolling and then, you know, and then literally two weeks after I started full time, I uh, had a pretty major shop accident actually. And I, I actually did, it wasn't a shop accident. It was an accident, but I didn't, I, I, I amputated part of my thumb, but it wasn't on a saw or anything. It was a crush injury. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, I was really discouraged because here I was all full time and bragging about it on social media. And then I was shut down for about four months actually, because uh, they, I was able to, they were able to save most of my thumb. I have about, you know, 90% of my left thumb. Now I have a little bit of thumbnail left mm-hmm. and the knuckle works. It all works. It's not pretty. It kind of looks like a toe. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never be, I'll, I, you know, I won't be hand modeling anytime soon, but, uh, sure. Other than that, but you know, it's functional. Uh, it has all the strength back in it. It's got some nerve damage. I don't feel like it's kind of hard to do things like hold a screw in place while I'm bringing a drill to it. So I've just learned to do that with my fingers. And, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's fully functional. Like I said, it's gross and ugly, but it works. So. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome that you've, uh, you've come a long way in such a short time, like to really just start thinking about doing something like being in a show to growing your Instagram to then, going full time in only a few years. That's something that a lot of people dream about doing, especially if they're not like really uh, passionate about their job or they want to work for themselves. Like going full time is like a dream for a lot of people. And you were able to do that in just a few years. I'm not sure if that was like your end goal or anything when you started, but it's pretty cool to see how it's come about. Well, thank you. It was certainly, it certainly happened faster than I was anticipating. And that was, while that kind of sounds like a blessing, um, it, it certainly wasn't a curse. It was stressful a little bit because I was really worried that I was just riding on a wave of temporary success or, or I was, you know, not thinking forward enough into the future to really figure it out. And I, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say, that, I mean, especially right after the accident, I mean, I had business lined up and I'm not mad at anyone by any measure. I understand why people did it, but I had deposits and business lined up and I was three months out. And I mean, I was feeling like, all right, I got this. I got a business. I had a little business plan and I was following it. And, 
Mm-hmm. Then when all that happened, you know, a lot of people backed out and asked for the deposits back because I wasn't going to be able to deliver on their time frame. And, and oh. so I went from being pretty flush to being, I mean, dang near in debt, man. I mean, it was, you know what I'm saying? Like it went, mm-hmm. it's it kind of a reversal. And so I was really, you know, and then it, it, it worked out and I had a handful of clients who were willing to wait and who, you know, even beyond that added to their order because they wanted stuff done and just believed in me. And that was, I know it sounds weird, but the, the fact that those handful of clients who were willing to wait it out while I healed and take a risk on me. And then even added the the fact that they not just, they didn't just want furniture. They wanted furniture that I made Mm -hmm. that really, that man, that encouraged me. And it just gave me, it really did kind of give me the strength to be like, all right, I'm going to recover from this and move on. And, and since then, I've had, you know, we've had, like I said, lean months and great months. And, uh, you know, I've had jobs that I just did completely wrong with remodels and stuff where I go in and I barely, I end up barely breaking even, you know, not <laughs> barely making enough money by the time it's all said and done. And, you know, I haven't lost money on one, you know, but there are a few that, I mean, really, yeah, I was getting paid. There were a couple. I was getting paid probably cents per hour if you break it all down, you know. And it's wow. like obviously you can't afford to work that way. No. But you live and learn, and the, the value is from the lesson, and you know you learn to value your own work more. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like that. I, I I can't honestly can't think of a time when that resulted in edification or joy or anything when I undervalued myself. Either I. You know, I was desperate to get some work, and so I, I took, I, you know, I let a client, a potential client, talk me down to something, or, you know, I ended up, and I've never, that's never come to any good, you know, when you undervalue yourself. So, you know, I just had to learn to persevere and have some faith and just really, you know, try to be fair with my pricing. And if people take it, great. If not, I'll evaluate and try to see what happened there. But, you know, no good's ever come from underselling yourself. I can tell you that. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've definitely learned that lesson many times. Well, well yeah. So anyway, I, overall I consider myself really blessed and uh, the fact that I'm able to work still, I'm about to outgrow my, I'm about to outgrow my shop here at home, which is a really good problem to have, but it also, you know, it means spending some money. I've, last week I've been out looking at a couple of places that I could maybe open up uh a more traditional shop at, you know, looking at space and, uh, it's a big expense. So it's it's another, it's another level of risk, but you know, I, based on my business plan, you know, I've outgrown my business plan. I was planning on working here out of the house for five years and I'm ahead of that by a year and a half or so. And, uh, you know, so I've got a little time to make a decision about it, but I'm also limited as to the size of projects I'm able to take. And so in some ways I feel like I'm leaving some money on the table. Hmm. Which is again, you know, things could be worse. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, definitely. Like it comes with growing pains. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, something that I've noticed and like, I, I don't like talking about social media a lot, but it is really cool how the woodworking community on social media is very supportive of each other. Like, yeah, that's something that's that I caught on to a couple of years ago when I started really understanding that social media was important as far as just to get the word out about what you do. And I thought it was really cool how like um, there's so many woodworkers out there that support each other, that 
uh, shout each other out that do things that help bring each other up in those troubled times. And I think that's something that I noticed when uh, you did have that accident, how uh, there was a lot of other woodworkers who definitely were very supportive of you and your work during that time. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, even though these people are hundreds or thousands of miles from each other, they're like supporting each other, almost like a, a secondary family, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic way to put it. And I mean, I could not have bounced back the way I did without the help of like a, a handful of some local makers um, around here. And some of the ones that were farther away, just sending encouragement. And I mean, I had, You'd be amazed, you know, woodworkers whose whose day jobs are hand therapists who reached out to me and would tell me different exercises to help regain the strength in this part and or in that in that part of my hand or just other woodworkers nearby. Um, you know, uh, you know, my friend Ryan from Cherokee Furniture and Jason from Dense Woodworking and Addie from Foxwood Designs and my my good friend Ed from Atlantic Workshop. I mean, all of those all those guys really were just instrumental in uh, you know helping me get together. Uh, you know, even people who are woodworkers who aren't on Instagram. Like, I have friends who own uh, a beer and wine tap room, and uh, you know the, the Matt and Melissa. And Matt is a woodworker, a hobbyist woodworker, and he and his dad came to my shop. I mean, a week after I had surgery and I had orders sitting on the workbench that I, I mean, I couldn't even hold a sander mm-hmm. and these guys showed up and I mean, used their considerable skill and they sanded and stained my tables and helped me meet deadlines. And I mean, out of the goodness of their heart, I mean, I can't, the community, you nailed it. I mean, I've never been part of a community that was so uplifting to one another. I mean, it is like a big family and sometimes it's a little dysfunctional, but on the whole, <laughs> it's a great support system, you know? And it's, uh, I mean, all of those, all of those people were so instrumental in helping me to get back on my feet. And there's not a really great way I can ever repay them. It's always, you know, be thankful to them and be there for them if they need something, you know? So, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, it's, it's nuts. And it wasn't just the woodworkers themselves. It was their families. You know, I mean, inviting us over to dinner or, you know, uh, Addie's husband, Steve, is a chiropractor and he would come over and when I got my cast off, he would actually, he helped me, I mean, he would come over and do therapy and help me realign the bones in my wrist where they were held differently because my thumb couldn't move. And I mean, just unbelievable support. Like, it it was amazing. So. Yeah, I love that. And I really think that's something that, I've noticed more and more in the different arms of the maker community is that like people they're looking for a way to provide for their families on their own, but at the same time they gain a whole new structure of family in whatever element they're in, whether it's woodworking or leather craft or different things. And uh, it's awesome to see that grassroots uh, organization of people coming together and realizing that it's not just about making money. It's not just about building a business. It's about a lifestyle of 
supporting each other and realizing that people are the most important aspect of life. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I couldn't have said it better. Honestly, that's a great way to put it. I mean, I, I mean, when I'm I, even just sitting here talking to you, I'm thinking about all the ways that I could go on and on about it. I mean, like I said, friends who were willing to go into business with me because so that I wouldn't lose the orders that I had held on to. So literally, you know, I don't even know if these the the end clients really even realize how much how much talent they had working for them. I mean, like some of these guys who would help me fulfill orders. And it would be their skill, you know, going in. And I'm not, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of what I can do, but man, we can all learn from each other. And a few of these guys are just so remarkably skilled. And I don't, you know, stuff that these clients were getting that should have cost twice as much <laughs> just because these yeah. guys were working and they're there, you know, just helping me fill orders. And, you know, it was great to, you know, crack a beer at the end of the night with them or to, you know, just, shake hands and just you know be proud of something we'd worked on together and and really the most valuable thing was just to have you know to make those kind of friends and to build those friendships and we went from being acquaintances that we'd met like at maker meetups or something like that to being you know friends that our families because they don't have dinner together and it was just a really really cool really it made it made something that I was really scared was going to be a really dark time in my life end up being a really uh, special time, something that I look back on that I'm grateful for. You know, I mean, yes, I wish I still had all of my thumb that it all worked, but it was a really small price to pay for, uh, you know, the the end result, I think. So not yeah. that I really look at it. Yeah, I'm not trying to be that utilitarian about it, but, you know, I wouldn't change anything. I know that sounds weird, but, like, it, it was really, you know, things happen for a reason and I'm, I'm willing to accept that. So. Definitely. And I think it's a great reminder of even what everyone is going through right now about the fact that like so many people are out of work or, you know, this is a really hard time for everyone. True. Yeah. And to, to realize that, okay, like there are people around us who might be in an even stickier situation than we are. And we're all in this together and yeah. we need to be able to support each other and realize that, you know, I might not be where I feel like I would like to be, but there are people who are struggling who all it takes is just a handout to them and showing them that, hey, somebody cares about you. Somebody recognizes okay. where you're at and realizing that, you know, the the humanity aspect of relationships and building life together is so huge. It is. It really is. It's it's a great point, and uh, it, you're right, man. It's really important to think. I mean, to to stop and realize how much we actually have, and and think of the ways that we can help others. I mean, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than trying to, you know, like you said, even something small that may not be, yeah, even if it's not of tremendous value to us, it might be of tremendous value to someone else. And that just taking that opportunity to you know, reach out and help someone if you can is a great way to go. It really is. So, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it makes me think I need to be thinking of ways that I can help others even more, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it, it's, it's, I think it's a good thinking exercise and for sure it's something of value to do. I think it makes you a better person and makes us a better community when we do reach out and help each other. So. Definitely. And, and I would say that, you know, in these times, a lot of 
a lot of times it's really easy to think like, well, I don't have a ton of money. I don't have millions of dollars to give to feed kids or anything like that. But just thinking of like, what skills and abilities do you have as a maker that can really add value to helping others? Like for me, I make candles and uh, something I'm developing is a candle called the Hope Candle. And, you know, the, the proceeds are going to go to uh, helping people who are affected by this whole thing, whether it's uh, needing food or needing resources to get through it, um, just doing our part because, like, I have tons of supplies to make candles. It's something that I can do, and it just takes time, which I have a ton of right now. And sure. as a result, like, you know, I might not sell any candles, but it's something that I can try in the pursuit of doing what I know that I can do, which is make a candle. You got it. That's, that's actually really cool. Um, I, that's a great, I, I mean, speaking, you know, you and I have, you know, the way we know each other, a lot. I, I've ordered a number of candles from you and mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea. I would love to order candles that would directly, you know, benefit that. I think it's, I think that's, I think that's actually a really cool, thing and, and the, the idea of a candle the symbol of hope that it is i mean that's just you know you know providing light in the darkness kind of thing it, it, i think that's a really important symbol it's a strong it's a powerful metaphor and yeah. i think you're right about just helping in the ways that we can um you know this whole covid this pandemic has been i don't think there's a way to really say it without you know using big language but i think it deserves big language Obviously, it's been a real life-changing event for most people. Some people are going to emerge stronger from it because they're going to rely on, you know, they have good jobs or they're going to rely on skills they have to, you know, think and maneuver in a different way and uh, meet new needs that have, you know, come from the changing world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, even like from someone in, in like what I do, uh, you know, I some ways I've done, we, we offer discounts to, um, you know, doctors and nurses right now for furniture and I have a handful of them who have ordered things. Mm-hmm. Um, we order or we don't order. We, uh, are developing things that, I mean, at once, you know, it's also to help us stay in business. So I don't want to make it sound like it's the ultimate altruistic move, but we're offering discounted, you know, we're trying to develop things to help people. For instance, a lot of people, you know, weren't prepared to start working at home the way they were. And so a lot of people's offices have now become their dining room table. And so we're now trying to, we're trying to build, you know, we're trying to batch out and build desks that are nice looking, you know, that are really affordable so that people who are making the transition to work at home can set up an office without, you know, going into debt to do it, you know, or um, stuff like that. I mean, so, we're trying to create as many win-win scenarios out of it as we can using the skills that I have, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, um, I, and it does require some creative thinking and, you know, again, I, I hope that it helps in some way. I really do. And I appreciate the people who have bought things from me because that's helping me too, <laughs> to, you know, to pay my bills. Yeah. So it's, um, it's like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a certain, it's a strange set of challenges, but, um, I'm just really grateful. I mean, I think a lot of us who work either from home or have dedicated shops and are able to go to work, so to speak, you know, in an environment where we're not going to get sick or make other people sick or something like that mm-hmm. has been a real blessing. I mean, I, I, 
you know, I can tell you right now, I had never planned on, you know, when I made my shop down here and remodeled my help my own home to, I never thought I was be counting on it to make a living the way that I have been because I'm so lucky that I can walk downstairs and go to work. Right. You know, so that's not lost on me. And I, you know, I really, you know, I know a lot of people are making some serious transitions and that for the most part, I've had it a lot easier than a lot of people. So it's, it's a pretty sobering thought. Yeah. Like I'm blessed in that same way where I have my own shop that I can drive 10 minutes to and I'm the only employee, so I don't have to worry about social distancing and I can work on projects, work on anything that I need to and still continue to do what I would normally do. And uh, like you say, a lot of people don't have that luxury because they're just at home. Like what they do on a normal basis is not working from home. Right. Uh, You're right. And I like another thing you've done. I realized I was paying attention to is that I love your, uh, your at home DIY candle kits. Because you're selling, you sell really high quality candles. I mean, they smell wonderful. And to sell a kit where, especially when people are kind of at home looking for stuff to do, either with either with their kids or with their spouse, or you know, just looking to fill so occupy some time, because a lot of people don't do really well being shut in a lot, and you know, and so to be able to even to, I, I noticed your kit is really affordable and really neat, and I mean, it really introduces people into. Uh, I mean, what that's the kind of skill that actually really valuable. I mean, knowing how to make a candle and being able to do that is, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I think that kid's a great idea. Yeah. And but. it's actually the first step in a series of things that I've been working on. Um, one, I introduced this now, even though it's not like <laughs> the greatest time in history to release a new product, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> giving people something to do at home, but also it's leading to, I'm also in the works of recording a online course on how to start your own candle business. Um, oh, very cool. Because it's something that I know how to do. It's something that I've been doing for years now. And there are going to be a lot more people after this whole uh, incident that are going to need to know, like, hey, how can I start my own business doing something that I either love or can easily learn how to do because I lost sure. my job? Oh man, there's a, I mean, and there, it, you know, I mean, for the, people who are make a decent amount of money and have managed to hold on to their jobs, you know, my wife has a great job and she, her, her company has been extremely, um, you know, vigilant in trying their very hardest to not lay off any employees mm-hmm. and to really transition help working at home. So, you know, I've, we've been, I mean, and so she, we've still been able to draw on her salary even when, you know, a lot of people were not spending money. So, I mean, you know, like you said, it's a hard time to come out with a new product. You know, it's a hard, a lot of people, you would think, oh, people are at home. They're sitting around wanting a new table. Some of that, but a lot of people aren't spending money. I mean, I've st- definitely seen a decrease in sales because people are holding on to it because they're, it's, uh, it's uncertain. A lot of people aren't sure they're going to walk out of this thing. You know, three more weeks of this, they may not have a job. You know, right. a month more of this, things could change dramatically. So it's not a time where they're wanting to drop a few thousand dollars on furniture. And so it's, uh, it, like I said, it's creative. And so for people to learn a new skill right now that, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, 
I would, I'm going to order one of your kits. I would learn how, I would love to learn how to make candles, <laughs> you know, cause I, I think it's cool, but you know, it's, you know, right now I, I have, I have too many hobbies as it is. I need to focus on my job. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and so it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's, I don't know, man, it's, uh, like I said, it's a really challenge. I'm just repeating myself at this point. And I apologize. It's just a really challenging time. And when I stop and let myself think about it, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed with the feelings of all the what ifs and the, you know, problems that might arise. And those are certainly real and that you can't just put your head in the sand and pretend like they're not going to happen. But I think that you can really limit yourself and not take a risk that maybe you should take if you're really focused on how many things can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that includes this time. I mean, I read this, some meme, you know, I don't even know who to give the credit to, you know, but the meme basically said that it was, you know, if you emerge from, you know, three months of this and you still are telling yourself, oh, I'll get to that thing when I have the time. It's like, you need to reevaluate how you're spending your time because a lot of us have had a chance now to, you know, tackle those projects that we've been putting off because we didn't have the time or, you know, spend some time strengthening some relationships in our lives. If if it's our marriages, if it's our relationship with our kids, I mean, something like that to, uh, you know, and, and I'm trying my very best to utilize the downtime that I have to be creative and reinvest and, and kind of fall in love again with building things, you know, so taking the time once a week to build a project for my own house. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that in years. I've built lots of stuff for other people, but you know what? The other day I made a few sets of coasters that we could put on our nightstands. Yeah. I made a a little bedside table that I'm, you know, going to put in one of our guest rooms and, you know, I did some serious, you know, yard work and cleaning up in some storage shed areas and stuff that we had that just needed to be done. And, and you know, one, it's just a good way for me to occupy my time and, and not feel despondent about the fact that I'm sitting around not doing <laughs> as much work as I would like to be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like that. So I don't know. I think there's ways to stay positive and, you know, it's, and then there's the very real situation where people are running out of money and running out of supplies and, you know, like goes back to what we mentioned earlier, you know, reaching out and helping as many people as we can, Yeah. you know, so we'll see, you know, I'm trying to, we're doing some minor remodeling on our house because I know how to do most of that. And, you know, I've got a couple of friends who are in that business and, uh, I got a friend who does tile and, you know, because I have enough money, he's given me a good deal and I've got a bit you know, he's going to come in here in a couple of weeks and redo all the tile in our entryway. And like that. So I'm trying to reach out and help people who are skilled, who are looking for work right now, who, you know, to do the best that I can, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like you said, I wish I had millions to donate to someone, but I help in the ways that I can as I can. So. Yeah. And that's really how the impact will take place is when everyone just does what they can, like not, sure not so much just holding back or, or for instance, I could buy coffee from Folgers or Starbucks, or I could buy coffee from my friend who started a roasting company. Um, sure. Little little things like that make a world of difference. I agree. Excuse me. I agree. I had to take a sip of 
water there. Um, yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. I mean, I've, I've tried to do that same thing too. We've got friends, like I said, friends who own a, a beer and wine shop, you know, a tap room. And so, you know, and so we, we like to, you know, they do curbside pickups up. So we'll, you know, I'll pick up a bottle of wine for my wife for dinner or something like that and try to utilize them, you know, instead of going to somewhere closer to my house, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I also have a friend who uh, roasts coffee and stuff like that. So I've been ordering from him and you know, it feels good to, it feels good to be able to do that. And you know, in a perfect world, you know, that's what we should be doing anyway. You know, is you know, I, to me, there's nothing more powerful than local economy. Yeah. I mean, if you get a good system in place and everyone's working to produce quality products, well then, you know, Teddy, you, it's really hard to run out of work at that point. <laughs> right. So, you know, cause it's, uh, you know, one hell, one hand's helping the other and, you know, it, it, it establishes community and that's, you know, that's so critical. I mean, cause I don't know, it, people really do have to work together and strong communities are going to emerge out of this a lot better off than, you know, communities who haven't made the effort to encourage local, you know, support and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it definitely opens everyone's eyes. Like, you know, if you, if you don't buy coffee from your local friend, well, his business goes under. If you don't buy a bottle of wine from your friend who owns a shop, well, then who is, you know, (laughs) Yeah, they're struggling. And yeah, and you can't just rely on everyone else to do it. Now, I can't take it all on myself and you can't take it all on yourself. But we, mm-hmm. like you said, you said it really well. If everyone does their little part, you know, and just stays their course and does what does the little bit that they can, well, then that turns into a lot. It really does. So, yeah, you know, and I think it's more than wishful thinking. I think it's actually true. I think that people helping one another just through support, you know, it doesn't, have to be handouts it can literally be i mean why wouldn't you i mean i mean honestly why wouldn't you buy coffee from your coffee roast friend? it's gonna be better than that full years, you know oh yeah. yeah i mean you're getting better coffee and they're getting business and they're getting to do what they love and i mean it's a win-win so mm-hmm. yeah so yeah well, it's such an interesting time to try to be in business for yourself right now too um you know, there are times when I look back and think, man, I wish that I still worked for a system that, you know, was going to pay me regardless. You know, I mean, not that if I didn't do a good job, you know, but teaching was, I mean, unless I really messed up, I wasn't going to lose that job. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're not mm-hmm. downsizing teachers. I mean, schools are growing, stuff like that. So the money wasn't great, but it was consistent. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, uh, but I, I'm, like I said, I'm super blessed and super happy to be able to, you know, literally be sitting here in my shop, you know, talking to you who understands what it's like to sit in your shop and, you know, look around and take inventory and try to brainstorm and come up with other ways to keep doing what you love doing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that's, that's important. I mean, it really is. And, you know, on top of everything else, it really is important that you do something that you like doing. I'm not so hopelessly romantic that I think that you have to, you know, I've always heard that phrase, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. I I don't think that's true at all. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that phrase, actually, because you're going to work really hard. As a matter of fact, you might work harder. (laughs) Yeah, as a matter of fact, you're going to work harder. But 
it is truly a labor of love. I like that phrase a whole lot. You know, it's like there's some labor involved for sure, but if you're doing if you're doing what you love, then you have the motivation to get up and become better at it all mm-hmm. the time. If you're doing something that you hate and just what it takes to get by, it takes an enormous strength of will. Probably one that I don't possess, which is why I went into business myself, but in order to be able to give your all to something that you don't truly believe in, you know, and I don't even know if it's possible, but I think some people are better at it than others. And I'm certainly not putting anyone down. Any job is a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. So I don't, I don't look down on anyone who does any task. If they're out there working hard, providing, you know, helping make the community a better place then all those jobs are important, you know? Definitely. So. Well, Any. thank you very much for your time. We've uh, yeah, been going for almost 45 minutes and it's awesome. Oh, how wow. Like when you start a conversation and you start talking about things that you're passionate about, how it can just take on a whole life of its own. Well, it sure can. It's, um, it's crazy. I know I didn't really talk a whole lot about my family. You asked me to, but, I, I mentioned my wife. Uh, my wife. I'll tell you that real quick, just in case you want to work that in. Sure. Uh, my wife's name is Holly. Um, we've been married for married for almost eleven years, um, but we were together for several years before that. So we've been together a long time. We have two kids, a son and a daughter, um, and you know they're doing well during all of this. We uh, live in Roswell, Georgia which is in North Georgia. It's uh, north of Atlanta. So um, it's a really beautiful place to live, actually. We're not far from the Appalachian Trail and, you know, things like that. So that's a really cool, really cool place to be. Um, Yeah, the maker community around here is really robust. There are a lot of builders, home builders, furniture makers, uh, you know, woodworkers that, are a tremendous resource to each other. I'm very lucky to have a really uh, extensive local network of builders and makers in this area. A lot of them I've met through social media. Uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, my mom actually lives here in Georgia now, and so do my grandparents. They've both moved here over the years, and so it's been nice to be able to reconnect with family. A lot of my wife's family lives here. So we have a great support system, and um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's really nice. Um, my wife's from Idaho originally, and um, I love it out west. I used to live in Southern California myself, and so mm-hmm. uh, I like it here in the southeast. I love it here in the south a lot better overall, just because uh, I have so many great memories from here. Um, I don't know. So it's just a neat. I don't know. It's a great place to do life. So that's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I've been to your part of the world a couple times. I don't, I'm not sure how far. I, New York is odd to me. I don't have an idea of how big it really is. I learned that when <laughs> I went to my son. When my son was 12, um, he uh, went to uh, um, the Cooperstown, you know, baseball tournament, the, you know, little league. Yep. Kind yeah, of stuff. And there. so we did the. Yeah, we did the Cooperstown, uh, and so we were there for a week during this big tournament, and in my mind, you know, New York was like all New York City, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, it was all concrete, and it was like Mordor, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I realized that as we're driving, I mean, upstate to 
you know, to Cooperstown. We're going to all these places that, I mean, it was, if you would have knocked me out and I woke up on that drive, I would have get this and said, where are you? Based on the farms and the rolling grassland, I would have been like, are we in Kentucky? Are we, you know what I'm saying? It would have been, <laughs> I would have had no idea. I mean, but I mean, we saw so many cool old barns and working farms and grain silos. And I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous country. So, Yeah, I'm actually eight and a half hours from New York City. Okay. Um, New York has, I think it's in the top three of the most farms out of any state. And uh, it's, (laughs) there's like so much more than New York City. Like there's actually a meme that New Yorkers share when you talk to pretty much anybody outside of the state, when they pick, when you talk to somebody else and they picture New York, they think of the city. And then what we're actually talking about is a bunch of cows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no that that's it i was astonished i won't lie like, i was I, I really thought like i, I don't even know i mean I, it's embarrassing as an adult as a history teacher i mean i knew right don't get me wrong i knew there was more than just one city out there and i knew there was you know rural area and stuff but i just didn't until i went there i did not realize how green and beautiful and rolling and just stunning how beautiful that place is in the spring and summer and fall. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. And even in the winter, I, I love winter. My wife, she grew up in enough winters in Idaho where she doesn't want to do snow. I would love to move <laughs> to an area where we actually had real winter again. I mean, every year I wish for a white Christmas and I don't get it. I mean, you know, like I've had like maybe two snowy Christmases in my life. So. Okay. Yeah. It's really funny. Cause one of my best friends here, he's from South, uh, Southern California and he loves the fact that there's snow and seasons and everything. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, I would love to go somewhere where there's no snow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think it would probably get old, but I, I, I highly romanticize the snow, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Maybe I've seen too many Hallmark Channel movies with my wife or something, you know? But, like, I love the idea that it's... Uh, I would love to have a white Christmas and, and actually have a cold season and mm-hmm. actually have a reason to wear like, you know, down coats and layer up. And, you know, I mean, out here we're having a nice mild spring, but I mean, you know, we're a couple of weeks away from it being 90 degrees all the time, you know I mean? And then in the summer it's 102 and, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hot and humid and it's just, Oh, I, I just, just thinking of how the summer's going to be, it just makes me wish it was winter again already. I really do. So, well, having winter definitely helps you appreciate the summertime. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. But I keep trying to talk my wife into going somewhere over the winter. My brother lives up in Michigan, and uh, we have just finally this last year we went up there to. Uh, we went up there in between Christmas and Thanksgiving just to spend some time with them. And they usually have snow by that point, but they didn't have any snow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was actually, it rained and uh, flurried a little bit, but no snow. So it was just, a, now they've had it since then and it's been mm-hmm. great, but oh, well, you know, one, one magic Christmas, I'll get snow. So. Yeah. It's definitely been a mild winter. Like, uh, it snowed a couple days ago, but that was like the first time it had actually snowed in over a month. And oh, wow. Normally, we have snow solid until like the middle of April, sometimes early May. We've even one year had snow in July. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So 
Uh, it's definitely been a mild winter. Sure. That's a, that, wow. You know, I, I, I follow a few makers who, um, are in the New York area, you know, um, Ginger Woodworks and Mm -hmm. I'm good, you know, buddies with him. We got to meet at workbench con actually here in Atlanta for the first time. Yeah, we got to meet. And then uh, a couple of other guys who are up in the New York area and, you know, I kind of lump you in that area, but I don't know how close you guys actually are to each other, to be honest. I mean, y'all could be hours apart. I have no idea. Um, I'm about an hour and a half from Ginger Woodworks, uh, built by Brad. Um, okay, yeah, built by Brad, yeah. Uh, um, there's a couple of guys up there. Yep. Yeah. He's right. up there. And then I know that some of the Canadians, uh, they're actually closer to where my brother is in Michigan. Like, uh, I'm trying to think the Stump Shop and M Inspired Living and those guys, I think they're up um, just above Michigan. I think they're in the Ontario area, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, again, I have this really embarrassing childlike view of the great North. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ontario is huge because. Yeah. I mean, saying Ontario is like saying like, Oh, you mean a third of the United States? Exactly. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, Cause we're about two hours from Ontario right here. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's not like saying a city It's like, yeah, I think they're outside of Toronto. I think they're okay. Yeah. That's about three and a half hours from here. Okay, okay. So yeah, but anyway, yeah. So, but again, small world. Those are people that I, you know, I never had you ask me three years ago when I started this. You, do you think you'd be having like weekly little chats back and forth with people in Canada and people up in New York? And I'm like, no, I never would have thought that in my life. You know, it's <laughs> like it's just a, what a small world it is. You know. Mm-hmm. Such a unifying thing. Yeah, definitely social media shrinks the world. Oh, yeah. For certain. Well, cool, man. Was there anything, I, not that I'm trying to rush you off, I just want to know, I don't want to range too far afield. Is there anything else you wanted to ask me in regards to... No, um, this is great. Okay, cool, because I would love to answer anything you have. I I appreciate you waiting on me. I blocked. I blocked plenty of time to do it, so I know we've talked about this for a little while, so I wanted to make sure and give you my undivided attention for as long as you needed it so no yeah this is great and uh it's a great introduction to who you are because uh eventually i definitely want to come down and film in your workshop and uh do more in-person stuff too and uh my vision for all american maker is really just uh a platform where you know makers can come together because it's a podcast but it also is a youtube uh there's a, a YouTube channel. Eventually I want to do a docu-series on, you know, the life of a maker, what that's like for people all over the U S um, Absolutely. not to exclude anyone outside of the U S but it's called all American maker. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, exactly. and, uh, really just, uh, I want to humanize the maker community. Like it's really easy to get starstruck if you're a new maker or, you know, kind of get uh, a little jaded when you've been a maker for a while, say, and you realize like, oh, I, I'm not where these people are at. But to realize that, you know, we're all in this together and we're all just doing our part. It, it's yeah. an awesome way to really experience the maker community and grow together. I think, I think you're right. Uh, 
and I really, I, honestly, I'm very flattered that you would consider me to be part of that, um, you know, community, especially to the extent that you want to come down and, uh, you know, you know, use your talents to showcase what I'm doing. And man, I really, that's just really flattering and you're always welcome here. And I, I'm looking forward to the time we actually get a chance to do that. So, uh, in the, you know, in the meantime, I think that, you know, I really want to pay attention to, I'm eager to, to hear about, yeah, you know, I've, I've watched some of your series, you know, I've watched the one about, you know, especially Bison Union. That one was fascinating, you know, oh, it's, yeah. uh, I mean, and such cool film filmmaking that you did there. I mean, that was really compelling. Like I watched that start to finish. It wasn't like, I was like, Oh, I'll come back to this later. Like I watched that. I watched like three of yours in like one setting, you know, it was like, uh, it's really, really great. And so, uh, it's, uh, I just, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what you're doing is really cool. And I really hope that, you know, as travel restrictions lift and as people are a little more willing to get closer again, that, you know, you're able to resume that because it's, uh, it, it, what you described was perfect. I mean, it's it's a great way to get to know, like you said, the, to humanize the you know the the work. You know, it's uh, mm -hmm. you know, work is important. It really is. You know, people view it as something they have to do rather than something that they get to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if you're lucky enough to get to do. You know, the things you, it's, you know, we do what we have to do so we can do what we want to do, you know, but if you can somehow build a bridge, <laughs> you know, to be able to make those two things overlap a little bit more than, you know, what the traditional American work model has been, then I think that we're going to end up with, you know, the stuff we talked about before, happier communities, more supportive communities, better economies, better, you know, it really does start local. I mean, you get a lot of strong local economies. Well, then you get a strong state economy. And mm -hmm. I realize that I'm, I realize I'm oversimplifying, but the, you know, the principle still holds. If you have a lot of smaller, strong economies and they're feeding into one another, then, you know, the, the second step is going to grow stronger. And then if you get a lot of strong states, you know, then you're going to have a stronger economy overall. You know, it's just, and it, it does. I mean, I don't know. It's important to highlight those kind of work things. And also we talk, and you know, you, you know, marry that to the concept of what we talked about earlier, you know, of uh, how the, you know, social media has shrunk the world. I mean, then you get people really bad who are able to work together from hundreds of miles apart, you know, and, and then you have, you know, as a history teacher, you know, I'd always start every, you know, every semester I started, you know, with Western Civ one, I would sit there and I would tell my students, you know, you know, here we are. I want you to write this sentence down. You know, the exchange of ideas is the drive wheel of civilization. You know, I mean, that is. And so it, people exchanging ideas and bouncing ideas and, and building off of the work that other people have done before. I mean, in every field, that's how progress happens. Mm -hmm. You know, so whether it's medical, whether it's, furniture building, whether it's making candles, whether it's teaching itself. I mean, there's the exchange of ideas is so critical. And so it, I don't know. I mean, and so I, you know, I think it's great. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh man, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And this definitely won't be our last conversation. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome, man. I, I, I appreciate your time, bud. So thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. If you'd like to learn more about Jeremy Hill and his business, head on over to JerichoHomeGeorgia.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast, learn about my other guests, 
or purchase All-American products, type in allamericanmaker.us. Tune in next time for my interview with Bryant Hamlin, who is the owner of Hog Doggins, the creator of the EDC Puck. Thanks again, and have a great day.